0: This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook,
1: Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church
0: We have uh, Jonathan McKee with us. I started stalking Jonathan online several years ago, and I read uh, his blog, his website. Um, I contacted him. A couple years ago uh, because we had an issue going on with some bullying and I just wanted to ask him a question and and he had a new book coming out wasn't even out yet about bullying and he went ahead and sent me a a copy before it was out so I could use that as a parent for what I needed it for he's written over 20 books uh, an author with over 20 books he speaks all around the nation he leaves here uh, to go fly out to Colorado to focus on the family to record a couple um, sessions with them, and then he flies back to Pennsylvania to speak, so he's a busy busy guy this week, but he has a lot of great information about uh, our youth culture and parenting. He's got a great website for parents. I would encourage you to go there. We're excited. He'll be here this evening with us from four to six for our Parenting Generation screen seminar. If you're a parent, a grandparent, if you work with children or youth in any way or fashion, you need to come to this seminar tonight because it'll be a great help and resource for you. So I'm going to pray, and then Jonathan's going to come up and speak. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to have Jonathan with us, God. I pray that you will speak through him, Lord, this morning, and uh, God, it will be an encouragement to our hearts, God, but also open our eyes to what's going on around us and give us uh, uh, some resources and tools to help us uh, interact with our culture, with, with the people that we live next door to, we work with, God, with our children, with, with uh, other kids that we uh, come in contact with, Lord, through our jobs or volunteering in the community, Lord, I pray that you will just speak through him, God, and we thank you for uh, using him and his ministry in such a great way in our nation, and it's in your name I pray,
1: amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And now I'm going to have to stalk you online. That's, a, that's scary. I've been stalked. I didn't, I don't know if I've been stalked before, but that's good stuff. I'm excited to be here, and uh, I am uh, from California. I'm on California time, so welcome to the 8 a.m. service. Yeah, and I've already done a service. Do the math. Think about that one. No, it is fun to be here. I'm excited. I uh, actually flew in Uh, Friday night, got in at uh, 1.30 a.m., I think. So officially, I guess that means Saturday morning. And then Andy and I got to hang out a little bit yesterday, um, hear about the missions trip that you guys as a church are about to take. Uh, That's so cool that you guys are part of that and sending that team uh, exciting stuff. Um, So what an exciting weekend. I'm excited to be here this morning, but also looking forward to this afternoon. And I encourage you, Uh, If you were a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, someone who cares about this younger generation, um, we're not just talking about this this morning. As a matter of fact, this morning, I'll give a sneak peek into about five minutes of what we're doing this afternoon, but I encourage you. Uh, one cool thing about screens nowadays is tech is so cool that there's this neat thing called a DVR, and you can record the Kansas City game and it'll be waiting for you when you get back. So I encourage you to hit record because um, we're going to be talking about some important things. But this morning, as we talk about this opening up the doors of dialogue, um, It's an interesting subject because wherever I go, it's amazing because as a guy who's been doing this for a couple decades now, it's amazing how things have changed in the last seven to eight years. Because now whenever I talk with parents, grandparents, youth workers, and I open up for questions, every single question, I'm not exaggerating, every single question, has to do with the screen. So my son's playing video games. So my daughter's on social media. Uh, So I work with these teenagers and they got onto this app where they were, I mean, everything. I just spoke at the National Youth Workers Convention and um, was speaking to youth leaders about today's young people. And I mentioned a couple of things about in the parenting world, here's how we can help parents. When I was done teaching the workshop, a dozen or so youth workers were there waiting to talk to me and they all had questions. Not a single question was about youth ministry. Every question was them as a parent. What do I do? Because my son is looking at this. What do I do? Because my daughter. And it's amazing because, and this is literally in the last seven or eight years. Now, when you go somewhere, I know if you go to lunch afterwards, when I do, I'm gonna be sitting there, I'm gonna to go to lunch uh, before the workshop, and I'm gonna probably open up my laptop after I eat and kind of go through some slides and look at stuff. And very often, when I do this, like for example, my last workshop, I was actually at a school teaching um, a school assembly, and then I did a parent workshop that night, and I looked over, this is just a month ago, I looked over at the table to my left, I couldn't even resist, and I snapped a picture because it used to be if two teenagers were at the table next to you, There was lots of noise, there was laughter, there was talking, there was sometimes a waitress going over and saying, please be quiet. There's none of that anymore because they aren't talking. They aren't laughing. They aren't dialoguing anymore. Matter of fact, whole families don't dialogue. Uh, There's young people here sitting here. I'm not here to, to talk about these stupid young people today and their screens. Matter of fact, we're gonna talk about how many hours young people spend on screens. You know who spends more time on screens than young people? adults. Adults beat out young people by about an hour to an hour and a half. So young people hear this. This is not a young people issue. This is a people issue because young people are learning it from us as adults. Uh, It is fascinating though, when you start finding out how many young people, for example, bring their screens into their bedroom every night. This is the research we conduct and write about this stuff all the time. Right now, out of high schoolers alone, excuse me, like 12 through 18-year-olds uh, 79% bring their phone into their bedroom every night. Now, a lot of us might sit there and go, well, wait a second, what, what's happening here? Why all of a sudden a change? Well, let me bring you back actually to the last decade, actually. Let me bring you to January 2007 when a guy wearing jeans and sneakers walked out on the stage and he made an announcement that was life-changing. You see, at the time when he made this announcement, what he said was, today we're gonna reinvent the phone. Prior to this, if a young person wanted to be on social media, they had to be on a device connected to a wall on social media or a laptop there in their house on a computer device. If they wanted entertainment, it was yet another little pocket device. If they wanted their phone, it was yet another. Most young people had three to four devices. Once he made this announcement, one device one device that we carry around with us where you can look at google you can carry around your entire entertainment media library you can watch movies you can listen to music you can social media all of it right in your pocket and that was in january of 2007 america loved this device so much that other companies started coming out with a device and as a matter of fact within five years america crossed the 50 percent mark this is unprecedented with technology Within five years, over 50% of our, the majority of us walking around with this device in our pocket. Most of us carry around with us. Here it is right here. This device helped me get here this morning. I just punched in the address and this nice female voice said, turn right, turn left. And most of us guys were used to a female voice telling us where to go. So, you know, so we're used, but this is good. I mean, this is a helpful device. I mean, I was going to the airport and I heard a song. I'm like, what is this real quick? Boom, I clicked on it. I hit a button. Thank you, Shazam. It told me who it was. I mean, this is great. We love it. I mean, let me tell you something. I'm not here to tell you this device is bad. My daughter, her husband, yes, I'm officially old. My daughter is married. Uh, her husband is about ready to go to Afghanistan, to Kandahar. Thanks to this device and to a thing called FaceTime, she can look at his face almost every night and have a conversation with him while he's overseas there's a lot of cool things with this device we like it we're so excited about it as a matter of fact that when we first got this device we started handing them to our kids right away and we realized right away that as we're driving down the road that they sometimes behave better if we hand them a screen so is it any surprise that now whenever they're going somewhere they're looking at screens Is it any surprise that now when I go to do school assemblies on school campuses that the biggest issue they're dealing with is screens on campus and the ramifications with that? Because now it's changed the way we do everything. We document our lives with these screens and we have to post and let people know what's going on. Very often, we're learning even at a young age to wake up and show other people exactly what we look like. But one of the things we didn't predict is that after we post these pictures of ourselves, there's this time of waiting. Where all of a sudden we're waiting for the one thing that everybody wants, a like. Because who doesn't want to be liked? Here's the interesting thing. Just in the last five to eight years, ever since... We've all had these things in our pocket. All of a sudden, depression, anxiety, teen suicide is all spiking. All of a sudden, every expert out there who's spending time with young people, talking with young people, it's weird. You can look at it right on a chart. We're gonna look at it a little bit this afternoon. From 2012 till now, we're seeing a spike in depression, a spike in suicide, especially in young teenage girls. and every single expert out there is linking this to smartphone use to social media. There's a lady by the name of Dr. Jean Twinge. This is what she does right now. She's out of San Diego State University. And as a lot of people are debating about it, she's all stop debating about it and start protecting your kids. She actually shows when it looks at the, she'll show the correlation of how many hours our kids spend and how depression and anxiety goes up connected with those hours. Now, the crazy thing is, we as moms and dads, we as grandparents, we don't know what to do with this. I have grandparents come to me all the time and they sit there and say, gosh, my grandkids come over. They used to, you know, want to be like, Nana, pop, I'm playing. Now they're like, screen, <laughs> you know, phone. It's the first thing they ask for. And you see a three-year-old who's learning how to swipe, you know, right right away, and, and they want the phone and they want to start navigating and they want to sit there and stare at it. I have moms all the time that tell me, my eight-year-old, I got him an iPad, and I never see him anymore. And when I take it away, full-on tantrums. We don't know what to do with this. We have no idea. So it's interesting because I've started to see two extreme reactions to this, especially in the church, especially with parents. Some parents, they've realized right away that when our kid comes up and asks us, hey, can I have a phone? 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 And sometimes we hear this one, all my friends have phones. Hey, if they're a teenager, they aren't lying. Almost all of their friends actually have phones. If they're an 11-year-old, the majority of their friends have phones because over 50% of 11-year-olds actually have smartphones. So for a lot of us, all of a sudden this, can I have a phone? Can I have a phone? Can I have a phone? Sometimes it's just like, yes. And sometimes we've learned that it's just easier to say, yes, we become the overly permissive parent. If I were to divide this country, you know, in two, if I were to take, if this room represented parents today, I could literally draw a line down there and against this wall would be the overly permissive parent. That's the parent that just learned that it's easier to just say yes. They become that friend parent, the the parent, we call them. And we've seen examples of what that looks like, uh, you know, on our screens And for a lot of them, it didn't work out so well. As a matter of fact, some of them actually looked back and regret and said, I wish I would have actually been the parent. I wish I would have said enough is enough. But it's interesting because some of us as parents, we see that and we go, oh, I would never be like that. So what do we do? We go completely to the opposite side and we become that overprotective parent. Okay, young people, how many of your your parents are the, no, don't raise your hand, I'm kidding. But but you know, that's the parent that sits there goes, I know how to solve this. Problems with technology, here's how I'll solve it. We'll unplug, no technology. We're moving to Amish, Pennsylvania. Load up the car right now. We're taking a buggy to church every week, okay? No phones, no screens, no nothing. And it's interesting because we see a lot of parents kind of overreact and think, I'll be safe, you know, somewhere. Let me tell you something. I speak in Amish, Pennsylvania and they're going through the exact same stuff. I remember the first time I went there, I literally was, nav- I thought, I-, I got there. I've been hearing parents all over say, oh, well, if you went to Amish Pennsylvania, you wouldn't deal with this. So I thought, well, let me look around Amish Pennsylvania and check this out. So I went into their little French store, Target. And uh, when I went in there, first thing I did is I saw the magazine rack, and I walked up. And I thought, are there different magazines here? But no, it's the exact same magazines talking about the exact same stuff. What about screens? Screens all over the back wall, playing the exact same music, the exact same stuff. It was interesting because as that overprotective parent sometimes kind of thinks that there's some mecca of purity out there or thinks, oh, I can possibly block this stuff and protect my kids by blocking everything. And they've got 16 and 17 and 18 year olds who they're like, I've had parents say, oh, I don't let my kids have email because of all that junk out there. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of junk in email, you know. I mean, well, we do get junk emails, but I mean, come on, I mean, you know, it's amazing how much we think we can block all this. And the crazy thing I always tell the overprotective parent is, I said, hey, one quick piece of advice: it's not bad to, especially protect us, our kids are young, and to put up some of the blocks to block some of the stuff out. But have you kept your eye on the calendar? That's the question I ask. Have you kept your eye on the calendar? And here's the reason why someday our kid's going to turn 18. And when they turn 18, they can go to some army barracks. They can go to some college dorm, 500, 2,000 miles from us. And guess what? They're going to be making these decisions on their own. And the question we might want to ask ourselves is, have we prepared them for that day? Or have we just made every decision for them? So a lot of parents are sitting going, well, Jonathan, either of these extremes don't look good. I don't want to make every decision for my kid, uh, you know, uh, and and block everything, but I don't want to say yes to everything. I mean, how do you navigate this? And sure enough, if you look at surveys where they actually ask parents and ask teenagers about this, you'll find that most parents try to do something. As matter of fact, just barely over 50% of parents say that they actually do have limits on their kids' screens to limit that. But it's fascinating because when you ask teenagers the same questions about those blocks, you get kind of a different story. And a lot of teenagers actually will admit, as a matter of fact, when you take away uh, my device at um, at night, you might not realize I got another device, you know? And I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Teenagers, sorry. But yeah, it's a common one. Mom or dad take away the phone and they forget that they've got that tablet or even that old iTouch. Oh, sorry, kids. Didn't mean to let one, that one out. You know, where all of a sudden they're on that device still. Um, it's fascinating how many parents don't let their kids have screens and think that their kids at school or at sports don't jump on their friends' screens. I've met parents who block everything. I, I've talked with dads who are like, oh, I got this covered. Which, by the way, beware of that kind of cockiness, all right? <laughs> I've got this handled. I'm always like, you got this handled? Please tell me, because I study this all the time, and I don't got this handled. Please explain to me. Oh, I got this totally covered. I got it blocked. I got Circle. I've got Disney. I've got all this stuff, and we blocked everything. And I love that, because when I talk to people like that, I go, really? So what keeps your kid's friend from walking up with their own phone and going, hey, check this out. Do you have a drone that flies above your kid's head and zaps their friends with lasers? You could probably sell that, actually. But, but but, I, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, blocks is not the answer. It's interesting how kids will actually admit, sure, you might know my Instagram account, but do you know my Instagram account? Because I got more than just one mom, dad. The things that lots of times parents don't know. The thing is, a lot of us as parents, we just don't know what to do. And honestly, if we're looking for guidance, you know, we're like, okay, I don't remember the Bible talking about screen time. So how do I, you know, how do I raise kids in the truth in a world so overflowing with lies? And a lot of us, we go to really cool foundational passages like this. And actually, if we looked at this a little closer, we might realize that this is a little more eye opening and a little more relevant then we realize uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17 later. But, but honestly, if you consider this Deuteronomy passage here, think about this. This is the passage where Moses was talking to all of God's people. And just like I am this morning, everybody, moms, dads, grandparents, everybody. And he says, hey, guys, let's not forget this. Let's not forget what, you know, when he talked about God's law, the word law is almost a bad interpretation. It's really God's story. So when we talk about these laws here and how they are impressed on us, he says, please don't just impress it on your own hearts. He goes, let's impress this onto our children as well. Let's pass this story of what God did for us. Let's pass it on to the next generation. And here's kind of the scary part. Moses gets really specific. And for a lot of parents, it makes us squirm in our seats. It's a little bit uncomfortable because listen to how Moses describes what this looks like in our home. Hey, this stuff, what God did for us, this story, here's what you can do. Talk about it, ready? When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. He goes on and says, in everything you do, in everything you think. Think about this, morning, noon, night, walking along the road, talking about what God did for us. And a lot of people honestly sitting here right now are like, Jonathan, dude, that's a lot. I don't know about this whole morning, noon, and night thing. I mean, I, I try to drop the kids off the youth group. They're here Sunday morning. Isn't that good? Morning, noon, night. I mean, come on. First of all, I don't know the way it is out in California, Jonathan, but we here, we have jobs, okay? And our kids are at school. So we try to get a few family meals in during the week, but I mean, this whole morning, noon, night. I mean, who has our kids' ears that much? Let me ask that question again who has our kids' ears that much? Well, there's actually people that actually add up those numbers and they could tell you about this. Common Sense Media just literally a couple months ago updated their new survey that they do every four years that is all about the amount of time that tweens, 8 through 12-year-olds, and teens, 13 through 18-year-olds, spend on their devices every day. And It's very extensive. You go through all the different numbers. Let me give you the bottom line. Ready? Teenagers average nine hours and 49 minutes a day. Nine hours and 49 minutes on average. Now, if you're a teenager, not me, if you're a parent and you're going, not my kid, don't worry. This is just average. If your kid spends less, there's a kid across the country doing a lot more, more than making up for it. Okay. That's just average. Some parents are saying, Oh, I believe it because whenever I see my kids, they're always staring at a phone because now that this device is in their back pocket, I mean, my gosh, you know, there's not a dull moment where you're walking around. It's amazing that more people aren't walking into the middle of the street and getting hit by cement trucks because we're all staring at our devices. And it's not just that little device in our pocket. We love all kinds of devices. And when you add up all those, it comes to nine hours and 49 minutes on average for teenagers. So I think the question a lot of us parents are asking is, well, what are they hearing during that nine hours and 49 minutes? They're hearing truth. What are they hearing? Maybe the question we need to really ask ourselves is, how do we respond to our kids who are growing up constantly hearing nine hours and 49 minutes of of what? How do we raise a generation of young people who are absolutely immersed in the culture today. That's why I want to open up to Acts chapter 17 because the apostle Paul encountered a group of people, ready for this, who were completely immersed in their culture. Matter of fact, the people of Athens, and if you look and I'm opening up my screen just to prove it's not bad. Actually, the reason I'm really opening up my screen is because I can make the font as big as I want. And my eyes went a while ago and I got it. I mean, literally, it's like four God so loved the word. I, I can make it big. I love it. So, so if you guys remember that, it's kind of cool, the Bible font there. I've got it big. Acts chapter 17. I encourage you, um, right when you start in verse 16, what we see is we see Paul going to the place of Athens. And I think the reason this is so relevant for us today is Athens was one of these port towns, a lot of import, a lot of export, a lot of people from all kinds of different religious systems, a lot of different beliefs, all came to this town, and Athens had the philosophy of, hey, all things are good. All philosophies are good. All religions are good. We accept everything. Sound familiar? As a matter of fact, if you lived in Athens, everybody had a coexist sticker on their chariot, okay? You know, everything's okay. We celebrate all truths, right? It's a little more relevant than we realize, huh? So this was Athens. And Paul, as he wants to reach out to Athens, he realizes, I'd like to find out who this is that I want to reach. So he starts walking around the town. Now you got to realize Paul himself, consider who he was. He was a guy who grew up in the church, was so caught up in religion that he missed out on a relationship with God. Sounds crazy, but think about this. He was so caught up in religion. Do this, do that walk this far on the Sabbath, wash your hands this way. He, he knew all those rules in and out, but yet he missed out on a relationship with God. I, I grew up in the church. I was a pastor's kid. I sat right there. Every, you're in my seat, by the way, right there. right there, that, That's where I sat, right there. It's okay, you can have it. <laughs> but I sat there every single time I knew when to stand up, when to sit down, what hymn we were gonna be singing. I knew we were gonna only sing verses one, two, and four. By the way, if you're ever gonna write a hymn, don't spend a lot of time in verse three. Nobody ever sings it. The thing is, you know, I knew all the religious stuff. Paul grew up, he knew the religious stuff, but he missed out on a relationship with God so much that if we flip back a few chapters in Acts, it's really fun reading, I encourage you. You know, your pastor always says, read the Bible, start in the book of Acts, it's a really good place to start. Or rewind, start in Luke, then you get the running start for Acts, that's really cool. But when you look earlier in Acts, Paul is walking down the street, God sees him from up in heaven, and literally Jesus says, I'm going to go talk with him. So Jesus comes down, appears before Paul, blinds Paul. He hits the ground and everything changes, including his name. He used to be Saul. Now he's Paul. In his blindness, he saw clearer than he'd ever seen before. Jesus goes, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And on that day, Saul met Jesus and his life was changed. Some of us might have the same story. Not the light, not all that. But we met Jesus and our life has never been the same. Paul was so excited about telling other people about Jesus and he wanted to constantly reach out to him. I tell you, if you're a parent or grandparent here, there's nobody we wanna reach with truth more than our kids, this next generation. As a church, what better focused and to want to reach this next generation, our future. How do you reach a generation that is so completely comfortable with today's culture? Well, let's look at Paul because Paul encountered a group of people who were so comfortable with their culture. So Paul starts walking around. Let's look. Verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, waiting for his friends, his Spirit was troubled with him when he saw that the city was full of idols. Other versions say Paul was distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. Pause right there for a quick second. Paul's walking around Athens, and Athens, because they celebrate all religions, has idols everywhere. Paul himself, who grew up, knew that the God that he loves and has a relationship with more than anything else is like, hey, guys. Don't have false god. Why do you want to follow a god of gold? The Ten Commandments starts with "Have no other gods before me." And when Paul's walking around, he's looking at a place that is like this god, this god. And let me tell you something: when it comes to the other gods, there's some kind of freaky gods. There's some kind of like there. There's some kind of very sexual gods. There's a, you know when it comes to all the different kind of worship, there's kind of some nasty stuff there. And when Paul looks at this stuff, and he sees a group of people who are putting their hope. It's some kind of freaky stuff. And more importantly, stuff that is false. And it's gonna leave them hanging. It's gonna leave them up short. He was distressed. His spirit was troubled. And a lot of us today, when we kind of look at the window of youth culture, we look into that window, a lot of us are distressed with what we see. When we see how comfortable Our culture is getting with every kind of sin that's out there. Now, it's kind of crazy because in the last seven to eight years right now, young people have access to everything right through a little screen that they carry with them almost everywhere. And this is affecting kids younger and younger. I almost wonder if the Apostle Paul today, if he wanted to reach this generation of young people, I wonder if the first place he would peer would be right into those screens to say, what is this that young people are embracing today? Because even looking at just innocent apps like Instagram, Instagram, you post pictures. This is cool. It's like a photo album. You can post, hey, cool, look at my dog. Look at our family vacation. Look at my house. Look at my address. Whoops. Oh, that's the issue, isn't it? It's interesting that all of a sudden, with each little app, there becomes some like some areas of danger, some areas of, of caution, and some things that we didn't even think about. And one thing that Instagram's starting to think about now is that when you jump on an app like this, even though it's a really cool, fun app, it's meant to share pics, even the CEO of Instagram right now is trying some changes. You know that he's trying in seven different countries, and they just tried in the US with certain users. Um, They're trying something where you don't, see the amount of likes somebody else has. And the CEO said this, he wants to create a less pressurized environment for young people because young people are so caught up in, well, that's funny. My, my friend Christina posted a picture of her dog and got 187 likes. I, I posted a picture of my cat and I only got 43 likes. Why? And what we're seeing is we're seeing young people be drastically affected by this little barometer of our self-esteem right here. How many friends you got? Oh, look, you can write here, write in black and white. How liked are you? Well, let me see how I'm trending today. It's all determined by this device right here. And if the apostle Paul was looking at that, maybe he would see something interesting. For example, this little number right there, followers. I'm gonna spend some time in a workshop this afternoon talking about this because this number right there is changing how young people think about themselves because young people are getting caught up in how many followers they have. Uh, I just want to give you a small glimpse because we're going to go in detail this afternoon, but just to give you a peek, because I think this is what the Apostle Paul would see today. See, when young people post stuff today, one of the big things is, well, how many people are going to see this? And what are they going to think of me? And some of the things that young people are now thinking of today is, well, gosh, you know, I, I don't know if I really want somebody seeing me in that outfit. I already was in that outfit in this other pic. So they're starting to think twice about what they wear and, 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 you know, cause they're posting stuff. So this is one of those issues and it all has to do with this audience of followers. Here's another thing about followers. Now that we're raising a generation who are glued to screens, some of the favorite activities of our kids, for example, is to watch fun, innocent little videos. The number one activity eight through 12-year-olds enjoy is just watching fun videos. And these are innocent. You know, a lot of them. Some of them aren't so innocent. We're going to get a glimpse at some of those in this afternoon to kind of show what's out there, what are the most popular videos young people are watching. But a lot of young people, when they watch these, they think, this is fun. And not only is this fun, but I could do that. As a matter of fact, 72% of Generation Z, that's 24 and below, would love to be some type of online celeb. I've talked with people in the church already. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, my grandkid or my kid builds Legos and wants their own page someday. You know what that means? It means you need followers. So you know what that means? That means that now we're walking around and we're hoping more people will follow us. And, oh, cool. hey this guy named Ted Bundy wants to follow me. Cool, yes, another follower. And you know what a lot of our kids don't realize? That now Ted Bundy sees exactly where we are on a map because most young people don't go in and set their settings to where only certain people could see, you know? And these are the conversations that a lot of parents aren't having. Where And honestly, this is, I mean, this is why most of what I do when I spend time uh, talking with parents is like, hey, have you ever taken them through the, the DMV guide? You know, it's so funny, you know, for social media. If our kid wants to drive, we don't just throw them the keys and say, good luck, it's a stick shift. <laughs> we don't do that. If our kid wants to drive, you know what we do? The law says we got to sit next to them for 50 hours and teach them. They got to go through a book. They got to take a test. And we're going to talk them about it. Be careful when you're merging right there. Watch out, that's a California plate. That's a dangerous driver there. Watch out, you know, and we teach them but what do we do with a phone? We just hand it to them and say, don't do anything stupid. Maybe we should take them through the manual. The thing is, we as families, we love our entertainment media. And some of us, we overestimate stuff. I've, I I met a homeschool family. I was teaching at a homeschool conference and they came up and said, oh, well, we don't even do TV. I go, do you not actually have a TV in your house? Oh, no, we do. But we only have Netflix. I'm like, you are aware that Netflix is... TV, and movies, and porn. No, she didn't know that at all, as a matter of fact. And do they know what's actually on that device? A lot of us don't. What about the music our kids are listening to when they got those headphones on all the time? See, the thing is, when you're spending nine hours and 49 minutes a day, all of a sudden, there's role models out there that are starting to influence our kids. A lot of us don't know who these people are they see a picture of this guy and they think he's the guy that sells weed at the middle school. (laughs) He probably is actually. But the thing is, you know, we sit there and go, who are these? And these are the people who have our kids' ears. And as our kids are spending lots of time on these devices, then some of them are even waking up getting advice from these role models. Uh, There's all kinds of cool platforms that kids can jump on where they can hear the most current songs. There's the current songs. Those are today's songs right there. You can look, you might not recognize some, maybe heard some, you wouldn't even realize like a song like this one has been on the charts for six months, Senorita was at the top this fall. It's by two people that young people do really enjoy. Uh, do you know what the music video is about? Do you know what the song saying? We write about this all the time on our The Source for Parents site, but we also encourage parents fan, if you don't know what a song is, jump on Google on your device that you got in your pocket and type in Senorita lyrics and look at the lyrics and see. All you know is your kids say it was clean because it doesn't have any curse words. So maybe it is clean. Who knows? But again, do we know what our kids are soaking in? We're going to look a little bit more this afternoon on that. But let me tell you something. When it comes to music, for example, Americans, we average four and a half hours of music a day alone, on average, four and a half hours a day, Uh so this afternoon, we'll 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 dive a little bit more into this. Yes, of our two-hour workshop, you guys got about a seven-minute peak. We're gonna expand and go a little bit further. I'm gonna show you more what's going on in there, and including, by the way, we're gonna look at what guidelines do your family doctor recommend, actually? Your secular family doctor, what does he actually recommend? What's that actually look like on the devices your kids have? Because all we know is they're spending a lot of time on there. Well, a lot of us when we kind of take a glimpse into this world, it's like when Paul took a glimpse into the world of the Athenians and he was distressed with what he saw. That's why so many parents freak out. Oh, I'm telling you, I talk with parents all the time and the probably most common parental response is overreaction. I, I, when I look back at my own parenting, I think of how many times I overreacted thinking I want to teach them this just thing and I flip out. By the way, moms and dads, I'm not saying let your kids do whatever they want. I actually am a big believer in, especially as they're younger, lots of guardrails and and, and these kind of really loving guardrails and controls that that will help uh, on devices. I'm actually a big advocate of waiting to give our kids devices. The answer isn't no, it's not yet. In the same way, if my 11-year-old wants a driver's license, I'll say, you'll get one when you get to the right age. But a lot of us, we tend to freak out. Like this guy. I don't know if you caught him on Facebook. Uh, This went viral. He caught his daughter posting some bad stuff about the family. And here was what he did. He hacked into her account and he said this. Ridiculous. Not disrespectful to me, your mother, your stepmother, your family, your friends, and yourself. So I'm going to put a stop to it. And I'm going to put a stop to it right now. You see it's out here on the ground. This right
0: here is my 45.
1: That was the first one. Okay, how many dads, how many of you, that's you right there. How many of you would have used a shotgun instead of the 45? Because that would be more thorough. Yeah, okay, yeah. See, if you have your friend yell, pull, and then you, never mind. But the thing is, a lot of us, we sit there and we think about this and we think, okay, you know, and our typical reaction is overreaction. At my parent workshop this afternoon, I'm going to show a glimpse of culture. And then we're going to talk about this. And we're going to talk about opening up these doors of dialogue. And I tell you, and, and young people, you can be assured, I actually have everybody at the workshop make a promise that they are not going to go home and demand their kids' phones right there. I'm going to say, I want you to pray about this for several nights and then talk about this later in the week. So young people, you have plenty of time to delete all Nicki Minaj and uh, Post Malone and all that stuff. you have several days, okay, because they're not going to grab it for a couple days. But the thing is, this we as parents, we tend to overreact. Um, we tend to flip out on this kind of stuff. But what we don't realize is there's a common teenage response to overreaction very often. If we freak out, then our kids are like, well, wait a sec, dad's freaking out. Can't talk with dad, you know. So what do they do? They kind of evade dad. They're quiet. They're avoiding. Sometimes it leads to sneaking out. So moms and dads, how do we respond then? If we don't like the fact that our kids have access to all this different stuff, how can we possibly respond? I'll tell you what. Remember that we left, you know, I left you hanging here with the Apostle Paul. Right here in verse 16, we already found out that he was distressed when he looked at all these uh, idols. But what's he do? Let's look. Does he freak out? Does he start tipping over idols? Verse 17, he said this. Wait, I gotta get there myself. Oh, there we go. Scrolling down to the spot. Verse 17, so he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with those who worship God and in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. And there also were the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who argued with him. And that word argue, that kind of argue has negative connotation in English. What that really means is disgust. They thoroughly were like, let's talk about this. Let's digest this. And so they dialogued and talked about this. And, and I'm watching the time here and we got to be careful of time. So I'm not going to read the rest of this, but it was interesting. Paul doesn't freak out. He doesn't tip over idols. He starts dialoguing with them, interacting with them talking with them. And then finally they're like, tell us more about this. And he stands up and he addresses them. And here's what he says to the people of Athens. He basically says this, people of Athens, wow, you guys are really religious. I'm looking at all your gods. I I see your different idols here. And, and, and matter of fact, I even see one idol says to an unknown God, I guess just in case you missed one, it was good to have to an unknown. He goes, well, guess what? This unknown God that you've been worshiping all along? I know who he is. Let me tell you about him. He's not made of bronze or gold or silver. He's the God that created you and me. And Paul starts telling them about the real God. Check this out. Not only does Paul not freak out and start tipping over idols, not only does he start engaging them in dialogue, he actually used their idols as his springboard for discussion. Matter of fact, if you scroll down there on your Bible, scroll, that's if it's a digital Bible. If you flip your page on your Bible and you see page, verse 28, he actually right there quotes some of the pagan poets of the day. You know who he quotes? He quotes uh, Lady, Lady Gaga and Little Wayne. Okay, whoever Lady Gaga and Little Wayne were 2,000 years ago. Little Antonius, okay? He quotes the pagan poets of the day. And we are your offspring. Right there, he quotes them. And he says, interesting, they say this. And he starts dialoguing with them. What would that look like if instead of overreacting, what if we turned our overreaction into interaction? What if we dialogued with our kids about many of the stuff that they're going to encounter? Let me tell you something. This is so increasingly important. One thing we're going to talk about this afternoon in the workshop is when our kids are young, they need lots of guardrails. But as they get older, they need more freedom. Kids, you can quote me on this. As you get older, you need more freedom. And as they get more freedom, you know, we need to be dialoguing with them. We need to be talking about what they're going to encounter. And I promise you, in a world so full of lies, the question you should ask yourself is, are they hearing truth? Are you dialoguing with them about truth? There's going to be times we're going to come home, we're going to find our kids, we're looking at something, something inappropriate, and our temptation is going to be to overreact. What if we turn that overreaction into interaction? You know, a lot of our kids, they're looking at pictures or they're looking at something, and sometimes it's, I've talked with many young men who are like, I couldn't stop looking at this. It, It just, it feels right. A lot of young men are are fighting that battle, the battle of lust, the battle of uh, you know what what is this what is this I'm feeling here. We need to talk with our kids about these battles. This is this is this is why I end up writing about this stuff and, and talking about this is we need to open up these doors of dialogue with our kids. And when you kind of look and take a closer look, like we're going to this afternoon at some of the stuff that young people are hearing and seeing, um, you know, we don't need to say yes to. Oh, download whatever you want. In the same way, we don't need to flip out and take every screen away. In a world so full of parents that are flipping out and overreacting, what if we turned our overreaction into interaction? What if we followed the Apostle Paul's example and opened up those doors of dialogue? You know, it's funny because if we did that, maybe our houses would look a little bit more like this. Isn't it funny that the parenting passage doesn't talk about rules? It talks about a relationship. The parenting passage doesn't talk about, so here's the boundaries and the porn blocks and the the internet filters you need. It talks about, are you talking with your kids about this? Are you talking about with them in the morning? As you walk along the road? As you go to bed at night? Some of us, maybe we need to start thinking about the way we respond, because we can open up these doors of dialogue, not only in our home, but in our community, in our world. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.